We've got some men in this congregation that are just actually some really fine, handy men, if you will. If you understand the expression, a handy man, you know what I'm talking about. we got some guys here in, in this congregation that will tackle almost any assignment. If there's something that needs fixed around the house or here at the meeting place or uh, elsewhere, uh, they're up to the task and they can do some, some good things and, and I think probably uh, would try almost anything, but there's a certain there's a certain level of assignment that all of us kind of step back from. You know, I, I, I try to fix things around the house, but if it comes to a major electrical problem, I'm going to call Lee. I, I, I'll, I'll wire a receptacle, but if it's something big, you know, in the in the panel box or on the on the weatherhead uh, incoming service, I'm going to call Lee because I realize that's a, that's a, that's above what I can do. I can do some things, but I can't do that. I can do what I can do, but I can't do that. Uh, Yancey's homesick today, but if I had an air conditioning problem, I, I do not open up that air conditioner. I mean, I can change a, an air filter, but I'm not going to tackle that, that main unit, and I'm going to call somebody that I think can. I, there's some things I can do. I'm going to do what I can do, obviously, but then you might have to call in help if it goes beyond that. So my idea is that when it comes to jobs like that, we do what we can. If we have, if someone with greater expertise has to be called in beyond what we're able to do, okay, but we try to do what we can. Isn't that the way we usually approach it, fellas? Now, for one reason is we don't want to incur that repair bill. You know, if you have to call in uh, a plumber, he's, gonna, he's not going to do his work for free. You're going to have to pay him. So you try to do what you can. All right, with the idea of doing what you can, to do what you're, what you're capable of, I want to take you back to that reading that Nathan read for us just a few moments ago in Mark chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14, beginning verse 3, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And so there was some upset. There were some people who were uh, dissatisfied. Uh, to them, it, what was this woman did didn't seem very significant, and they thought that there would have been a better use of the money, and that maybe what she did was wasteful. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me, for ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do good to them, but me ye have not always. Notice, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. I want to build our lesson upon that statement that Jesus made about the woman who came and anointed him with this ointment. She had done what she could. And I really believe that that ought to be a rule for all of us, that we ought to take it upon ourselves to do what we can. As a handyman, get your tools out and go to work. In this case, not on your physical house, but on your spiritual house. Do what you can in the service of God. That's just a good rule. And we want to try to make some application of that in our brief study this morning. We stop here for just a minute to say thank you to everyone for being present today. We're glad to see you, glad we have this time to come together on the Lord's Day to worship Him. We have a number of visitors today. We're so grateful for you visitors who have come our way. Please come back every time you have a chance to be here. Uh, we are encouraged by your presence. If you have questions, please ask them. If you, have, if you wonder at all about what we're doing here at College View or why. We've got a number of our own folks who are away traveling, some who are sick, 
but we're just glad for all who are able to be with us this morning. Thanks for being here. So when it comes to doing what you can, uh, let me suggest to you that there are a couple of things that come into play. First of all, what you can do is determined by the opportunities that confront you. You, if, you have to have an opportunity to put your skills to work right. There has to be some opportunity. And we're actually commanded to be on the outlook for such opportunities. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Uh, so notice, opportunities are going to come along. Be watching for them, and, and you do good. You do good to all men, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do it as you have opportunity to do so. So, using your opportunities, very essential. If you go back to that text again for just a minute, notice, she had done what she could. That's the key phrase that we're building upon there in that text in Mark chapter 14. But I want you to notice, Jesus said, you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do good to them, but me you have not always. Jesus was actually saying here, there'll be other opportunities to help other poor people, but in the case of doing good for me, that will not always be possible. This opportunity is running out. Notice this is taken from Mark chapter 14. We know Mark only has 16 chapters, right? So this is actually very near the end of Jesus' life. Just very shortly, he's going to be arrested, tried, and crucified. And so Jesus said, you don't want to there will not always be such an opportunity to do good to me. There will be other poor that you can help, but the opportunity to do something for me is very limited. Time was running out. She used the opportunity that she had. Jesus' own outlook on such matters is stated in John chapter 9, verse 4, when he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so Jesus had that, that outlook about his whole life. There's just a limited time here. This is not going to be forever. We're not going to be here on this earth forever. We're not always going to have the opportunity to do the things the Lord wants us to do. We need to be using our opportunities. There's a great tendency on the part of us all. I think it's pretty much basic human nature to postpone, to procrastinate, to put off. We do that about a lot of things. Uh, there's no more dangerous area to have that approach than in our spiritual life. To put it off. Yes, I, I plan. I want to tell you something. I plan to do better. I plan to do more. It is my intention that when all of this busy work and schedule that's going on right now, when it slows down, I, I've got in mind that I'm going to do more for the Lord. We have that mindset, don't we? Uh, the problem is, with that mindset, we excuse ourselves for letting the current opportunities pass us by. Those opportunities may never come around again. And so, in regards to doing what we can, we need to be looking for those opportunities. They may be very unique, short-lived, never to return. You've got to seize those opportunities when they come your way. But that's not the only thing that determines what we can do. The other factor that, that comes into this equation is what do our abilities allow us to do? I think most people feel a, a, some limitation on their ability. I suppose that's natural. N none of us can do everything, obviously. 
But sometimes uh, our inability to do things in service to God is because we have neglected to try to stretch, to grow ourselves, to be more accomplished in His service. Uh, there's something you can do, and you need to be trying to increase your abilities to serve God. But everybody has some ability. In Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 6, Paul says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth upon exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Notice how he starts out, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. We're not all uh, in possession of the same gift. Some of the gifts that Paul had under consideration here were obviously miraculous gifts. He mentioned prophecy, right, which would be a miraculous gift. But other things in this list are clearly not miraculous. But what Paul said is, we need to use the gifts that are given to us. Whatever our ability, we would probably use the word ability there. Whatever our ability is, use your abilities in his service. In Matthew 25, we won't take time to read that rather lengthy parable, but in Matthew 25, we know well the parable of the talents. It starts out in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a, as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. We, we call this the parable of the talents, right? But we remember, obviously, that a talent was a measure of money there. We use the word talent to talk about what we're talking about, abilities or skills, capabilities. But here the word talent in this parable is talking about uh, a measure of money. But notice, though, when the master assigned different amounts to the three fellows, five, two, and one, he did it according to his several ability. It was understood that each of these different men had a different ability to oversee part of the master's money and, and his business propositions, whatever, whatever business endeavors there might have been. You know as that parable goes on that the five-talent man gained five more, the two-talent man gained two more. It's interesting that they were both praised. The two-talent man, his ability apparently said this is, this is how much he should oversee. And when he did it well, he was just as acceptable to the master as the five-talent man was. The one, of course, who was condemned was the one-talent man who didn't use his ability. His ability apparently more limited than the others, but he didn't put it to work either. And so because he didn't do what he could do, he was condemned. And so our ability factors into what we're able to do. Now, we've pointed this out plenty of times in the past, and I think it is a true observation. When you put those two things, excuse me, that's not supposed to go backward, it's supposed to go forward here. Here we go. Uh, when we put those two things together, we end up with our responsibility. When we talk about our opportunities linked with our ability, then we talk about what is our responsibility. So, different opportunities will come along. Our abilities are different. But whenever, in my particular case, an opportunity presents itself and I'm able to act upon that opportunity, then I am responsible to do what I can. You might think of it this way. So, uh, 
here comes along a man who has no food. Well, that's a real opportunity, right? That's a real benevolent opportunity. Here's a fellow who has no food. So there's your opportunity. But I have no food either. (laughs) He has no food and no money to buy any, but I don't have any food or money either. So although there would be an opportunity to help that guy, I don't have any ability to help him. So there's no responsibility. Change the scenario. Here comes along a man who has no food, no money to buy food. I have some food, and I have some money to buy more. So he presents me with an opportunity. I have an ability to be able to help, and therefore I have a responsibility to do what I can. See how that works? So easy. Here's another scenario. Here's a man who has plenty of money and plenty of food. I have money and food too. So I have ability to help someone, but that guy doesn't need my help. He already has what he needs. There's no opportunity. Although I have some ability, he presents me no opportunity. I have no responsibility to act toward that individual. So I think it's it's a pretty simple observation, but it works so smoothly when there is an opportunity and I have an ability to address it, then I have a responsibility put upon me by God. I need to do what I can. So it really that's a that's a simple expression. Do what you can, but when when you boil everything down, if someone said about you, he did what he could. So at your funeral, what's your epitaph? He did what he could. That would be a fine thing to say about a person, wouldn't it? He did what he could. We need to do what we can. Now, having established that, let's talk how we do what we do. So do what you can and do it this way. First of all, do it to the very best of your ability. Don't just try to be seeing uh, maybe the minimum that you would have to do. In the book of Malachi, we've studied frequently in chapter 1 how that the Jews in the days of the prophet Malachi were really shortchanging God in regards to the sacrifices that they were Offering him. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, If ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. So, here, here's what they were doing in the days of the prophet Malachi. They needed to make sacrifice, and so they went out to look at their herds or their flocks, and they said, here's an animal. Uh, this animal is blind. This animal is lame. Now, this animal is sick, and he's probably not going to survive anyway. I can, I, I, I'm going to lose the animal one way or the other. So I'll give that animal as a sacrifice to God. And so their, their attitude was, just do the least that you have to do. Theirs was not do all that you can do. do what, theirs was not do what you can do. Theirs was do the least you have to do. That's clearly what was their mindset. And definitely, you see that God was not pleased with that approach. Someone says, well, yeah, but we don't have to make animal sacrifices today, right? Well, that's correct, of course, but the, the, the standard set for us is even higher. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, we're still required to sacrifice to God. Not of animals, but actually of ourselves, which is actually a higher standard. More is required of us. 
And so when it comes to this idea of doing what you can, uh, we need to do it to the very best of our ability. Don't be looking for a, a way to just get by. Just do the least. Do no more than we have to do. We should never have that attitude. We would add this word to it because the Scripture uses this word. We need to do what we do heartily. Uh, okay, uh, i got to do this. I, I, I'm going to do this. Uh, and, and I may even do it the best I can, but I dread it. So here's this opportunity. I have an ability to address this opportunity. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it as we just observed. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But I want to tell you, while I'm doing it, I am just going to be dreading it every step of the way. It just, I just hate that I have to do it, although I will do it. How does that work? How does that work with God? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And so we need to do it, uh, as this verse says, in a hearty fashion. How would you feel? I'll just ask you this. How would you feel if someone did you a good deed, maybe really helped you out in a, in a terrible predicament, but you know that they hated every minute of it? Would you be happy about that kind of scenario? And wouldn't you almost rather that someone had not done anything at all if you knew they did it, but they did it dreading it the whole time they were doing it? They really hated the, what was going on. You'd just assume that they didn't do it at all, wouldn't you? And that is exactly the outlook that God has on it. If we're just going to go about it as a, as a great drudgery, something that we actually hate and dread, God's judgment of that is just don't even try don't even go to the effort. So do it to your best ability. Do it heartily. Do it with a desire to do even more. Uh, we've been talking about our abilities. And our abilities in service to God are not stagnant. Would you agree with me about that? It, it, at least they should not be stagnant. I, I should be able to do more now in service to God than I was able to do five years ago, ten years ago. But that's not always the case with Christians because apparently some are content to just stay at their existing level of ability, uh, their, their Bible knowledge, uh, their skill in sharing the truth with others and so forth. Uh, they, don't, they don't advance in their ability. Uh, some are in the same place as they were when they first became Christians. They haven't grown and nothing has changed. We need to be striving to do what we can and do more in the future than we've done in the past. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. We know Colossians is one of those so-called prison epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was a prisoner in Rome. Imagine this. Paul says, pray, pray often. And one of the things I'd ask you to pray for is pray for me that new opportunities will open up, that I can do more than I've actually been able to do in the past. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that the Apostle Paul say, listen, I have done enough. Look where it's got me after all. I mean, here I am. I've suffered all these injustices. And here I am in Rome. I'm not a free man. He says, pray for me. I can do more than even I've done in the past. That was what he wanted to do. That ought to characterize us as well. When we think about 
doing what you can. Don't be content to just be at one place and just stay there, stagnant in your abilities to do good for God. Seek to be growing to do even more. And then, of course, in regards to what we do, we need to have the mindset that we do it to the glory of God. It's an unfortunate reality that there are some people looking for the praise of men. And they and what they do, they do because they want to hear men brag about them. They do good, and they may be quite skilled, and, and they, they, they're on the prowl for any opportunity that comes their way. The problem with the individual we're describing here is that they have wrong motives, and they're doing what they do for the praise of men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says, Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's who we should be seeking to glorify. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. And then, of course, we're reminded of those Jesus described in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For notice, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. They want to be seen of men. He says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Unfortunately, that kind of a situation has not gone away, and there are still those who would do what they do to be seen of men. As we're doing what we're able to do, as we're doing all that we're able to do, do it to the glory of God. Do what you can. As I said earlier, I think it would be a wonderful thing to be described after your life has passed away, maybe when they're preaching your funeral, and someone used that very simple expression, he did what he could. She did what she could. That'd be a wonderful thing. That, if you boiled your life down to that final phrase, if that could be said about you, it'd be a wonderful thing. Are you doing what you can in the service of God? Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. hope it'll motivate us all to do more to the glory of God. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we ask you to consider your life and your relationship with God if you're not yet a Christian, we hope you'll make the decision to become one. That simple plan is this. Hear the truth and believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can assist you in your obedience, let us know. If we need to study more with you, if you have questions, say a word. We'll be glad to study with you. If you're a Christian already, but you realize that you've slipped back and you're not being faithful to your Lord, Come back to him again in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Sunday, my Lord.